As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Leaf Report is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. James, did you know that Leaf and NHL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't know that either. GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And the good part is, James, you can actually go and look at what your seats look like from that section. Uh, you could get tickets across all the major leagues, all the teams. So you can get your TFC tickets, you can get your Raptors, your Jays, anything you want. So James, I need you to go to the App Store or the Play Store, download Game Time, and score some awesome deals on last minute tickets. I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm downloading it right now. We've talked about this a number of times over the years, who should play with who, but in the end, it is your dominant players got to be dominant players for you. James, are you here? We're back with another podcast. Is this happening? We're back, yeah. It's been almost two weeks, right? It's been it's been yeah, too long. I'm so excited. It, well, I am. But there's been a lot of there's been a lot of like really big news that's happened. You know what about what about Wexit? Wexit's a big thing. Yes. Do you want to get into <laughs> all that? We can just talk. Well, about yeah. I mean, as stuff. as the resident Western Canadian on the podcast, I I've been thinking of separating on the, from the show. So I thought maybe I would just bring that up off the top. And like forming your own podcast, <laughs> the one man leaf report. <laughs> I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could find some Leafs media person based in Calgary or something that would want to do it with me. Yeah, good luck with that. Okay, <laughs> so 
So one of the, the news you mentioned is the John Tavares injury, which we haven't talked about yet. I don't think we'll start there. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Obviously, what's more topical right now is post-Boston game, post-second Boston game. They played really well on Saturday. They actually played well in Boston, too. Um, but what's kind of topical right now is um, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner played together a bunch again uh, in Boston, did not play well, were, were beaten pretty good by the, the Bergeron line. What's like your level of concern on like one to 10 about the way those two guys have looked like, because you look at the, the production, the points are fine, at least overall, if you, if you just zoom out, um, but like more granular, it hasn't kind of been the way that you probably hoped um, for guys in that bracket, pay bracket, talent bracket. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, Concern level one to 10, I think I would put it at about like a five just because it is still October. But, you know, you want to see you want to see your best players step up. And, and the other thing, too, is it like as a Leafs fan or someone, you know, in the organization, you want to see your best young players take another step. Like you don't want them to stagnate in what they are and not continue to get better and not move into their prime showing that they've made some growth and some progress. And this is something, you know, Mike Babcock's talked about this. How many times have we heard him talk about this, you know, about the, the next level that, that these guys need to get to Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and, and what it involves and all the, and it, it, it sounds like cliches. It sounds like coach cliches a lot of the time, but it certainly rings true right now. The kind of, learn how to win and protect the puck and you know at the playoffs you can't play you know the the fun loose style and all of those things that Mike Babcock has said I mean basically since Matthews and Marner entered the league it it all looks like what's happening right now doesn't it yeah like I'm I'm of two minds on this one is like they're still pretty young like you look at that that Bergeron line Bergeron's like 32 Marshan's like approaching 30. Pasternak is the same age as, as Nylander. Um, so like they're still young in their in their NHL careers. What, what to me is kind of sticking out right now is it's not every night. Like it's not, you can't go into a game right now and say, I know exactly the kind of effort and production I'm going to get from those guys. Uh, and yet some nights like they'll finish with th- two points, three points. Like, uh, but it's like night to night it's inconsistent. And and the guy that like would frustrate me to no end is Nylander. Um, Like I am in the camp of Nylander's is going to be, or could be something really special, but like some nights you watch him, it's just not there. Uh, And then obviously, you know, Matthews tons of goals so far. um, But like Babcock a couple weeks ago said like, this guy can be the best two way center in hockey. And then there are like these shifts where you're like, it's, it's not there. Like he's not at that point yet. Um, where that's happening every shift and every night. And and maybe that's just youth. Like maybe that's their age. Maybe that's their inexperience. Um, but like when you're, when you're paid as well as they are um, and the implications on the rest of the roster are what they are, like they need to, they need them to be great most well, nights. Uh, and, and that just doesn't feel like it's happening. Jonas, so they need them to be more than just points. Like they, they can't just be, yeah, exactly. They can't just be one dimensional or one and a half dimensional or like they, they need them to be really good all over the ice. And I don't think either Marner or Matthews has been that. And 
Nylander, like I, I, I'm kind of of a different mind of view. I think that there's less emphasis on Nylander. Just he's making less money. You know, he's he he is one of their star players, but he's not in that upper echelon group. And I, I think part of what these last couple of games highlight is that <clears throat> when John Tavares is out of the lineup and all of the checking focus is on Marner and Matthews, especially when they're on the same line together, they don't look nearly as good, you know, and when Tavares is out there and there are two lines and it's harder for teams to decide who to match up against, you know, it's that they're having John Tavares, I think makes Austin Matthews life easier and makes him more of a threat. And when then that's not there, you get you get the best on best situation, and he doesn't come out on top in those situations probably as much as you'd like to see him. Well, I don't know if this is fair along those lines, um, but it doesn't feel like so when they lost Austin Matthews last October uh, for I think fourteen games uh, to the separated shoulder, their one two down the middle was, was Tavares and Kadri. And it felt more formidable than it does right now with Matthews and Kerfoot. Now, I don't know if that's totally fair to Kerfoot, but it doesn't feel it, it kind of feels like they're a one line attack right now, which is, is not true. Like the, the Kappen and uh, Moore combination, no, Kappen and Kerfoot combination, you know, produced a couple goals, but they don't feel as, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't feel as like, well, part of it is, yeah, they did. Before I don't know. I if think that's part of fair. it is the third line is what are you going to get out of that with you know Spezza or Goche right. or whoever is the third line center and the fourth line is a specialist line that's that's played well this year starting in the D zone and the problem is that not having Tavares kind of screws all the lines up a little bit and you know Kerfoot and Capitan looked really really good and I thought that they they stepped up and played well as when they had to be the second line but. It's funny, you know, they added all those centers, but they they still, if they're missing one of their, their, their big guys, one of their, well, even one of their top three, like even if Kerfoot was yeah. out, like they don't really have great options. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're a, you're at most a two-line team at that point. Well, so that's why I've always, not always, but in this situation without Tavares, I felt like the best option was to move Neil under to center. And, and obviously I asked Babcock and he said that was not even considered. I think that makes them deeper. I think it makes them uh, more threatening on on more than just a single line. But like it ultimately comes back to, you know, Matthews. We like he wants it. Like he talks about like wanting to be one of the best players in the world. But it's like you said, it, it it's got to be everything. Oh, <laughs> excuse excuse you. you. That. Got some major construction at Jonas's house. Well, so that kind of creates I guess the question that that I've been thinking about James like along those lines is why all of a sudden did he feel the need to get them together in the first place like he Mike Babcock kind of explained it like he wanted Neilander to play in the offensive zone in certain situations with Matthews and and basically when Marner was going to be on the ice against that Bergeron line he wanted him in that spot with Matthews I just don't I don't know. I, I wonder why now felt like the time to do it, especially when the Janssen, Matthews, Neilander combination had been working. Maybe it's it's a matter of trust with Neilander. I don't know. Like, what do you make of uh, Babcock going to that in the first place? Yeah, I think that you're probably right. I think that it's probably 
like that line's obviously with Tavares out is going to get hard matched a lot more. And I'm sure he's worried about Nylander being in those situations that where they're getting those, those tough matches. But my, here's my alternate theory, which is less likely, but more fun. Babcock was just like, all right, everyone keeps saying I got to play my best players, my best players. I got to give all these minutes to all these guys. Here you go. Here's, here it is. It's October. Here's what it looks like. Are you happy now? And it doesn't look, and it doesn't look very good because Babcock knows what the critics are saying. He knows that people have been saying for two or three years that Marner, you know, and talk radio and newspapers and et cetera, et cetera, have been saying play Marner with Matthews. And um, so we did. And uh, I don't really think it worked. So I, I think you're right. I think that the continuity is probably more important at this point. And Janssen's looked really good. Other than, I don't know why he's taking so many penalties, but that's kind of, Unlike him, other than that, I think he's been fantastic. I mean, he almost scored a beautiful goal there in the third period to tie the game um, in Boston. Uh, but I think that just because, as you said, Janssen and Matthews and Nylander have been going so well, and I think that you give Marner... I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, like the, the chemistry there with Kapanen and Kerfoot really looks like something real too, but um, maybe you go... Kapanen, Kerfoot, Marner, I guess, on the second line? Or there's there's got to be a second line. Kapanen can't play the left wing. That is established. Yeah. I guess. But you're, you know what you're right? Like the bigger picture point is that you're really right about. And maybe this is, this is for for just about every team. When you take Tavares out of the lineup, like they're just, they're, their depth at center just isn't the same. Like it, it when you're playing Goche on the third line, you're overexposing him. Like he has been perfect in this like, bubble of security where he is used exclusively one way, but then you move him up in the lineup and like you put him in situations where he's just not going to be as good. Like he's, he's not going to drive your offense. Although like we've, we've seen a little bit more of that this year, but I don't know, like they just, it it reveals what you said off top, how important Tavares is. And we knew that, but obviously Mm. when you take him out and you kind of get to see it and how it looks and like the kinds of things he can do for you, uh, it's a whole different ball game. And that's like, in spite of the fact that Tavares and Marner had not been great together so far this year. And but, you had kind of been poking me and saying like, be careful. Like there's, there's regression potentially coming just because of some of the, the on ice shooting percentage numbers for, for Marner and, and Tavares last year. But it didn't just feel like it was like unluckiness. It just didn't feel like they were the same quality of line as they were last year. I don't know if that's Hyman. I don't know if that's, that's Marner being bit, just a bit off. Maybe that's Tavares being just a bit off. Maybe it's all of the above. We need to have that line that Babcock says Hyman's good, eh? Like, and we can just put, we yeah. can just we can just insert that into the podcast anytime we talk about how that line didn't work yeah. without him there. And but it's funny, you know. Sometimes you do hear fans like I think Tavares sometimes is underappreciated, which is crazy for a guy who had forty-seven goals. And I think what's underappreciated about him is in in that playoff series last year. He, he, they, that line really went head to head with the Bergeron line. And there were a lot of games where that line was ineffective last year. And that was not the case when that line played against the Leafs in the other playoff series when they didn't have John Tavares. And he, he's the difference, you know, having a player like he gives them that two way presence that hard to play against this that we're talking about that some of the young players don't necessarily have on their own. And you take that out of the lineup. And I mean, you're talking about how that, that Tavares Marner line hasn't been effective, 
But I would say that that's mostly offensively. They haven't looked super dynamic or threatening, but they haven't really looked. I don't think they've looked weak defensively. Like, I don't think they've been giving up a whole bunch of. Although Tavares has had, you know, more turnovers and things like that than I remember ever seeing last year in, in, in the games that he's played. So, um, yeah, I think that. I think that his absence, like losing Tavares is probably, other than losing Frederick Anderson, is losing Tavares the most significant absence they could potentially have right now? Riley? Riley. Matthews? Yeah. yeah, it's like right up there. You know what it is? Like, it's a good point you're making. What they can do is, and and what the Matthews line did not do on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, is they can saw off with the Boston top line or whatever top line. Yeah. Like they can just make it like they might not score, but they're not going to get scored against. Yep. Uh, or they're not going to get pounded in their own zone. Uh, I think it was like when Matthews and Marner were on the ice, it was like 13, seven, the shot attempts or something like that. Um, that's not happening with Tavares and what that, what the ripple effect is. Then you have Matthews and, and whomever he's playing with playing against a weaker line and weaker defense pairing. Like, um, I think it's interesting what, what Bruce Cassidy said after the game on Saturday um, when he was asked like about Marner and Matthews playing together. And he said in some ways it, it kind of makes it easier on him in that when they're together, he just has to worry about getting Char and McAvoy on the ice against them. Whereas when they're split, he he can he kind of has to do a little bit more management where he, he you know he'll have to pick. Do I want Krug and, and Carlo playing against Marner? Do I want them playing against Matthews? It just makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, and I guess that's why like I look at Neilander as, as kind of a really key piece because if he can be a really big threat on a line that's not with Matthews, suddenly they're just a little bit more dynamic. So like so we focused on this, we've talked about this quite a lot, Jonas. I mean what what else comes to mind about like the only problem for the Leafs right now is not just Marner and Matthews. It's no, it's not. I mean, absolutely. So I'm looking at this right now. Uh, point pace across the NHL. Do you know where the Leafs rank right now in point pace? Like middle of the pack to twenties, twenties. Yeah, 15 to 20, they're, ni- they're like 19th. That? They're 19th. You know, and yeah. they're they're. I mean, it it's it's early. Like yes. And and I think that you can make the argument that they should probably, based on how they've played, should have more points than they do right now. You mm-hmm. know, they they could have gained. Part of it is it Anderson and Hutchinson. Their their save percentage right now is crazy low. They've allowed three and a half goals a game. Um, that obviously needs to change. Goal goals against goals against their bottom ten. They're eighth last in the NHL. They're right where they're allowing as many goals as Ottawa's allowing right now. So. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's reason for concern. Certainly they've, they've had a hard schedule. Like look yep. at all the back-to-backs they've had so far. And they got another one coming up this weekend. Um, not to make excuses, but it's really weird to have played 11 games and they've already had three back-to-backs or have they had four and they got another one uh, coming. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's extremely unusual. I think they've, they've had three, right? Cause Hutchinson's played three games. Um, you know, I'm concerned I know Babcock defended Hutchinson and said he played well and we haven't been able to get him a win and stuff like that. He made some good saves against Boston and they probably allowed too many shots against, but he also like made some really bad plays with the puck, like really yep. bad. And he was really scrambly and he he just doesn't look like an NHL goalie 
or at the he looks like a fringe NHL goalie maybe. And and that's what it that's what his that's what he is. he is that's, that's what, what he is. is yeah yeah so my concern level there is is reasonable like I I think that I think they need a different guy if that's all he's going to be able to give them. Well, so two points there. One, I think what's interesting to me, if you want to look for positives in their game, is they move the puck a lot better than they did last year. Yep. Uh, their possession, they're like top 10 in the league, top five in the league. Um, I think the Hutchinson thing is, is interesting. Just the way I've been looking at it um, this year that's really helped kind of clarify things for me is the way that they've said that they evaluate the goalies and and basically they break it into three categories. Should the goalie have stopped it? Could he have stopped it? Or did he have no chance? And you look at that game against Boston and most of the goals, I think all but one, maybe he had a chance to stop. Like one went through him. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, there were stoppable shots in there and that's what they haven't gotten from him so far. And I think that's what 13 goals against in, in three games for him. Like, that's not going to be good enough. Um, and obviously, they're 0-3 in those games. Um, you and I have talked about the backup situation a, a lot, um, just about the importance of it and the way it's kind of been underappreciated, overlooked. The The challenge for them is, like, I don't know what else they could have done based on the money that they had. Like, they have no money to spend. Um what would you do? Like how, how much more patience would you exercise with Hutchinson? Obviously he'll play Saturday night in Montreal. Like what if that doesn't go well? What do you do if you're Kyle Dubas? Do you just kind of wait? Do you call up Cascasuo? Do you like try to pursue a trade? Like what would you, what would be your level of concern with that? I mean, like I said, like I'm relatively concerned about Hutchinson already and we're 11 games into the season. And I mean, I was concerned about him in preseason. I thought they were going to try and claim someone off waivers. And it turned out that, there wasn't a ton that was available there. Mm-hmm. And the hilarious thing is that Garrett Sparks is, of course, dominating in the AHL. So <laughs> not not that I'm saying they should have brought him back. I just think it's kind of funny that that's, that that's what's happening. Well, you know, Hutchinson's numbers right now are worse than what Sparks did last year for the Leafs. They're, they're Sparks wasn't good last year, but he wasn't, like, at least in the beginning, he wasn't. He was awful. fine in the first. You're right. Yeah. He was... He was solid in the first, what, like four games he played or something like that. And then he really struggled over the second half of the season. And I don't know if it was that injury or it seemed like he kind of mentally unraveled a little bit in the second half of last year. I'm not, anyway, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make this a Sparks thing. I just think it's kind of funny that it's the same as like Par Lindholm scoring the goal against the Leafs, his first goal in like 800 games or whatever. Is <laughs> Sometimes with the Leafs, it feels a little bit, there's some of these karmic things that, that, that happened. And I know I'm not supposed to believe in that because I'm an analytics <laughs> adherent. So I, I just think that they are going to have to keep an eye out on the goalie situation. And I think it's going to be a running concern. And I, I understand that the analytics team has decided that this makes sense to play your starter in the first game and your backup in the second game. But some of these second games are divisional games and if it comes down to the backup costing you some divisional games, like it could well be that Montreal has a better season than anyone's expecting. And that these points in this game on Saturday are going to be more important. And that, you know, the Leafs could be battling with Montreal for a playoff spot or for playoff seating in April. Um, Sometimes some part of me wonders if maybe Anderson should play that Montreal game and, and Hutchinson should play the, the Sharks game. 
Yeah, the the issue is like that's you you've created this routine, um, and changing it situation by situation can mess up the routine. And as you know, like your chances of winning the second game, regardless of who's in net, plummet. Like so, Babcock's theory, and if you look at the numbers, like it 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 shows, is to really try to win that first game. And most of the time, like throughout his tenure, they are winning that that first game. It's just like in those situations where you're playing a team that you're competing with to win the division or playoff spot, whatever, it feels like extra important. It's just like, do you really want to F up your routine for each of those situations? Like Montreal, it's the same thing on Saturday. You know what I mean? Like when you create over four seasons, like this, this routine of how you're going to do it, the goalie knows to suddenly change it. I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Babcock in this case. I think it makes sense to to stick with what you've done. And yet when your backup is what your backup is right now, it, it, it gets magnified. The other problem with, with Hutchinson not being good so far is how are you going to play Frederick Anderson less? How? Like there's, there's, yes. if this continues, there's no way he, he'll start almost 70 times if this is going to be the case. Well, what's the backup back, back to back count this year? 13, 14? It's usually it's 13. Usually- it's usually right in around there, so so he's got ten more starts by that metric, and like Honestly, they want to play him. They want to play Anderson less than that. So, well, the other thing, Jonas, is that you look at the Marlies, and there's nobody there that's like that's a for sure. Like they got a young guy in Wall, and they got Cascasu, and like he's been really good this year so far. Like maybe you just decide, you know what, Cascasu, you just yeah. give him a chance. I don't know. Like, could he be? Can, is he going to be a lot worse than than Hutchinson at this point? Like, maybe you just. If if Saturday does not go well, I there's there's no other apparent option that I see besides making a trade, and like they they don't have the room to take on anything. Like seven is is Hutchinson at seven hundred? Yeah, they don't have. They can much they room can take on more. a little bit. They can probably they can probably take on like an eight hundred k guy just because Sandine went down, and I mean they could drop down Jonas. They could drop down to a twenty man roster. That's another thing they could do. That's not great. Well, so let's let's move into that. That's a a good transition into. That's what I was um, thinking. Actually, the other the only other thing I was going to say, Jonas, is like their next back to back after this weekend is a couple of weeks away. So Hutchinson will get a break. The next one is November tenth at Chicago. Well, and then they got another one, November sixteenth at Pittsburgh. Like that's going to be. Those are two tough games. Then they got a home game against Colorado in December. They got. Oh, and then he doesn't, and then he doesn't play till the end of December at home against New York, which is fine. But like at Pittsburgh on the road on a back to back, yikes! Yeah, well, we've seen you know Mike Babcock. It doesn't take long, and he's been pretty supportive of of Michael Hutchinson so far. But it doesn't take long for him to really lose faith. Um, before we move on to the next topic, we should mention that there are lots of other good podcasts on the Athletic Network. Did you watch the Raptor game on Tuesday night, the opener? How was I going to watch that? I was watching the Leafs. I bounced back and forth. They were overlapping. I was committed fully to Leafs. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, actually, I didn't I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, I'm sure. Wait, you know what I actually did see, though, is I saw the Clippers-Lakers game. Me too. At least, I stayed at least, up uh, to watch the whole game, which is something I don't normally do. It's funny. It's a home Clippers game, and they're like getting booed <laughs> yeah. because it. I think it would be. I was watching that game, and I think it would be amazing to have another Toronto NHL team, and like they would get booed in the Leafs arena when they played the Leafs, and 
I think that yes. would be so fascinating. I'd love to see that. It's, it was awesome. I don't know why the NHL doesn't do it. I mean, I hope it happens at some point, like while I'm still in the media business in Toronto, because I think it'd be it would be so good for. I think it'd be good for the Leafs. I think it'd be good for the NHL in 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 the city. I think that the team would do really well. I I don't. That it would be great for ratings. It would be great for everything. I think it would re-energize this city's interest in in NHL hockey. And you talk about the Raptors. I mean, I think that the NHL should be worried about this market. You know, kids are growing up like interested in TFC and Raptors. And you know, I look at. You know, my son's only four, but he's starting to pick what sports he wants to do. And you see the other the other kids around him in his friend circle, and they're picking all kinds of things. And the number of kids in this city that are playing hockey is <clears throat> the percentage of them is probably as low as it's ever been. You know, the NHL should double down on this market and get another team in here. And if they need to pay off the Leafs somehow, they should do it. And I think either they should share the arena, or I think you the Leafs go build like some massive Taj Mahal of a Leafs arena with like 30,000 seats and like they call it like the new gardens or something and then like they give the ACC to the the new team the Toronto I don't know what would you call them aces or something like that and then they can be like and you you put them both downtown and you have like a bridge that connects the two arenas and then like I think I think it'd be amazing this is a huge tangent that I wasn't thinking where's this arena James, well, where's this arena going? When when the ACC, I've actually been doing a lot of research about this for something I'm working on. When the ACC was built in 1999, 20 years ago, the Leafs weren't originally going to be part of it. It was going to be a Raptors-only facility. And the Leafs were looking at building their own, ar- own arena on top of the train tracks beside Union Station down there. I don't know if that land's still there. I don't think it is. But that was originally what they were talking about 20 years ago, about what they were going to do. And it just would have been so fascinating if there were those two competing arenas there. And understandably the Raptors group that was building the ACC was really worried about the viability of the building. If there were going to be two there and they were going to be competing for all of the concerts and events and things like that. So, um, and for this story that I'm working on, actually I talked to Richard Petty about it and his, you know, he, he said that I'll probably use this in a story at some point, but I don't mind talking about it. He said it, you know, they were originally, planning on the building being much bigger than it than it ended up being and there's some interesting stuff if you go back to to when that was happening and that that's the kind of stuff I was thinking about watching that that Clippers and Lakers game well it would be really what would made that game fun is both teams are really good although I don't really love the Lakers but Imagine like if you had a really good leave team and a really good whatever team, that's when it gets really interesting because suddenly you've got like this competition in the market. Anyway, that was just like a long preamble to mention uh, that there's the Raptors Reasonablest podcast with Blake Murphy and Eric Kareen. So you can get your, your Raptors fixed there. There's Birds All Day with Andrew Stoughton and Drew Fairservice for your Blue Jay what, coverage. Jonas, what about the TK what? show with Tim Kawakami out in the Bay Area? They had Steph Curry on. I believe. We've got to step up our game. <laughs> we do have to have a Leafs player on. We do. Okay. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We're working on it. We're, we're thinking about it. We're, we're, we're scheming. I don't know if we are working um, on it. Let's work on it more. Well, it's like it's it's like you've got the ingredients sitting next to the oven, but you haven't like put them in the pot and like started cooking yet. Does that make sense? Is that good? Well, we just like we have this idea that we're going to have guests on the podcast and then we're so busy that it comes to the week and it's like, all right, 
James and Jonas again. <laughs> let's 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 record. Let's like cram cram this podcast in on like the one day when we have time. Okay, well let's let's preview what's going to happen this weekend, next week, whenever it ends up happening. Uh, Travis Dermott will come back. Zach Hyman will come back, which means the Leafs are going to need to cut the number of players on their roster down to get under the cap. Cap Mageddon, uh, Jonas. Cap Mageddon is Cap-mageddon. coming. Cap Mageddon. Yeah. That's good. Four guys. I think we can probably pretty safely pencil in three of them. Kevin Gravel, Nick Batan, uh, and Martin Marincin. Are you okay with all those? Yes. I didn't even notice Gravel in the game. He made a couple plays that I was like, eh, that that not bad. Like he took a hit, kept a puck, moved it. I don't know. Like, well, that's kind of what he's mind. known for is being kind of like under the radar, but decent at just like kind of making a play. And Yeah. Know. But well, so that that even having Marincin in that group and Gravel means that they would not keep an extra defenseman, but that they would keep an extra forward. A, are you on board with that? And B, who would be that fourth player? Is that going to be Jason Spezza? Is that going to be Nick Shore? Is that going to be Demo Timoshov? Is it Spezza? Like, is it just a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the guy? Wait, so even if they send down another defenseman, they still have to send down one of those guys? Yeah, they need four, right? Right. They'll only be able to keep 21 players, correct? Yes, that's correct. So they would need to cut four. Okay, so whereas if they keep an extra defenseman, then they're going to have to send down... But they're not going to have to send down both Shore and Spezza. Like, that's not a scenario. No. But they won't... You can either keep an extra defenseman or you can keep an extra forward. Yeah, I think that... Right? It's it's a bit confusing right now because Tavares is out of the lineup too, right? So it's going to kind of... But he's he's still around. Like, he's not on LTI. Right, right. So the roster spot is, is well, the same. Well, the cap spot is missing too, right? Because he's not... Yeah, he has to go on LTI. He has to miss... Yeah, that's that's interesting. So if they wanted to keep an extra D, then you got to send down both Shore and Spezza or Timoshov. Like that's right. That's tough. Like I've liked the makeup of that fourth line the best when it's Goche, Shore, and Timoshov. I think that's been their best fourth line. And agreed. But when Hyman comes back, one of those guys isn't in the lineup. And then when Hyman and Dermot are both back and Tavares is back, you're not going to have the cap space to keep. Like, I would be worried about. Actually, I had someone with another team ask about who's potentially going to end up on waivers from the Leafs. So, like, teams are like, teams are paying attention, you know. I think, and I think that there could potentially be interest in Timoshov, Spezza, or Shore if one of those guys or two of those guys end up on waivers. I think they potentially could lose one of those guys. Well, the tough thing for them is like the the reason or a big part of the reason that fourth line has worked is they have these two centers who are just winning. 60 some odd percent of their face-offs and part of the way it works is like you've got Goche to take the left side draws and you've got Shore to take the right side draws and both have been so superb at it that they're winning the draw and they're just getting out and so suddenly if you take one out like what does the line look like and yet that's what's going to have to happen anyway like their fourth line is going to have to like it Trevor Moore is going to be on the fourth line so your fourth line is probably going to be more Goche and Timoshov so so maybe it doesn't matter you know what I mean? The, the other question is like, who's going to be your third line center in the very 
interim right now. You know what this is, is Jonas? This is the fallout from giving Marner 10.9 million. If if Marner comes in at a number that if you give him a bridge deal or if you get him to agree to the kind of contract that like Rantanen or one of those other guys signed, they're not in this position, you know, and I mean, we can point to other contracts and other negotiations and whatever, but Marner to me is the guy that got more than his market value to such a large extent and did it kind of at the last minute that it really put them in this tough position. And, you know, his camp was pushing for even, even a higher AAV. And like, I'm sure what happened at the end is the Leafs went to him and said, here's our roster. Like, here's what we can fit in the lineup. And if you get more than what they ended up settling on, we're not going to like, we can't even carry like an extra player. So that they've, they've, they're really hamstrung here where they're probably going to lose potentially could lose a decent player here. And it's been good that the fourth line's been so good, but don't think that other teams around the league haven't noticed that. Don't think, like, if, like, Timoshev's got four points in eight games, he's only playing nine minutes a night, he's looked great. You know, he's been, and and Goche's looked great. And I could see another team around the league that's really thin at center ice wanting someone like like a Nick Shore if, if he ends up on waivers. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, there's no way they're putting Timoshev on waivers. Um, Shore has has been clearly the, the guy that Mike Babcock prefers. Uh, and I think what you could see happening once Hyman comes back is Shore centers your fourth line, Goche centers your third line, and, and Spezza, maybe Spezza gets waived. Yeah, and no, I think that 100% it, is possible. Yeah, like I think the way I just sketched it out, like your third, your second line would be like Hyman, Kerfoot, Marner, uh, then Mikheyev, Goche, Kapanen, Timoshev, Shore, uh, and Trevor Moore. You're playing with uh, fire, Jonas, if you don't carry an extra defenseman, don't you think? Like, I'm fine with a 21-player roster. Like, I don't have a huge problem with that, other than you potentially lose a decent player on, on waivers. The the bigger problem is if someone gets hurt like in warm up or like right before a game and you're on the road and you only have six D, you got to play a, a, an NHL game with five defensemen. And let's say someone gets hurt or takes a big penalty or whatever, you, you I don't know. Teams are usually okay with twenty one man rosters and only having one extra player, but that one extra player is always a defenseman when they're on the road. So what am I missing? Like who would who would it be? Like so if you you Gravel, Patan, Spezza, and then who? If it's not Marinchin, I'm I'm missing someone. Something is wrong with my my brain. <laughs> who am I missing? I think you're right. I, I mean, they can only carry one extra player. You know, I, I don't I don't think you are missing anybody. I mean, there's there's nobody. We're in the press box. You know, but that's only three players. Yeah, Who's I know the fourth. Well, it's going to have to be someone that they don't want it to be. It's going to have to be Spezza, Shore, or Timoshev. Like that's those are the options. No, but that's not enough, is it? Well, yeah, that's going to be uh, Patin, Gravel. You need four players. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting <laughs> this is like oh, Rain man. man. I don't know what's going on here. Here, anyway. let me. I hear. I'm I'm just opening this up here. I'm getting this going here on on Cap Friendly in the middle of the podcast because you've dragged the podcast take, is off the rails. You've taken us off. So you think that they got to? Yeah, they might. They might have to drop two of those guys. So that's. But then they're, I'm missing something about their lineup. Anyway, that's you'll figure it out. That's 
that's the tough position that they're in. I'm just doing the math. Well, I guess if they carried 21 players, I guess it depends what they want to do. I guess it depends who they... Maybe they keep Marinchin around as the, the seventh defenseman. Your third pair is, is Dermot and Hall. Well, the other thing, Jonas, that we haven't talked about that I'm sure some people are screaming at their listening device, um, they could make a trade. They could they could move some salary out somehow. Yeah. I guess the question is, who is that guy? That is a good question. Okay, so here I... I mean, they could trade Nick Patan, and that doesn't... like. All right, I got it in front of me. Let's Let's go through this here. Okay, so when everybody's back, everybody's healthy, and they don't demote anybody. Let's just say they th- there's no roster limit. They got everybody there. Um, they got 25 players, and they're 2.72 million over the cap. So that's that's what they're dealing with is 2.72 million. So if we start demoting guys, I mean Gravel is an obvious one. Let's goodbye goodbye Gravel. We'll send him down. Um, they're down to two million that they need to clear. Okay. Uh, Patan, I mean, Elliot Friedman reported that they're they're trying to trade Patan, which is not surprising to anybody. Now they're down to one point two million, so they need to clear two more players. Yeah, they're gonna have to. They're either gonna have to clear two of those forwards or Marinch. Okay, so bump off Spezza. Okay, Spezza, you get to go and play in the AHL for the first time since the 0405 lockout season with the Binghamton Senators. Okay, now we need $547,000. So one more player. Who Someone's got to go. Somebody's got to go. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, you got more down on the fourth line now. So it's got to be Timoshov or Shore or Marincin. It's tough. Yeah, and it's not going to be Timoshov. You sure? And they need a center. Like they you, need a fourth you, you, center. You just think Timoshov is good enough that you want to keep him around, or you're worried you're going to lose? I him? I don't know how you could not watch him right now as a 24 year old and say we should risk losing him right. on waivers. Right. May, like the chances of him getting picked up are probably small, but like, is that worth? Yeah. Like he's cheap. Wasn't doesn't he make like six something? Yeah, six ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, then you risk losing Shore on waivers and then your center depth is not as good and you lose that that what you're talking about the face-off specialist kind of having two centers on one line i think shorts played well i think he's played hard i think he he's good defensively um or the other thing you do jonas is you send down marinchin and you run with the 6d and you're kind of just hoping that you don't have an injury on defense and that if you do have an injury on defense, you can do an emergency recall day of the game. That's what they'd have to do. Well, and and let's just look at their schedule. So they, they don't have, I guess they've got some road games coming up. Um, they play the Sharks on Friday in Montreal on Saturday at home on the road at home, at home, at home. So you, you, there's not long trips, right? So maybe you can survive. Like the first long trip is at Vegas, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Arizona, Denver. I think is in mid mid November. You go on one of those yeah. long trips, and you're and the other thing too is you're far from Toronto, right? So getting one of the Marlies out there, if the injury happens, day of game could be could be tricky. And you also don't want an NHL defenseman like flying east coast to west coast on the day of a game and then playing so no it's tough to be in a situation ideal. where like marine is not going to get claimed on waivers like you know that but you need that extra defenseman so you might have to waive someone a forward who would get claimed 
so so basically like they're 550 grand you know too tight to be able to carry an extra forward and an extra d and that could mean i mean they could lose spezza and shore both those guys could get claimed then, we're, then, but then I'm missing something. Who is their lineup? Like, who is at the bottom of their lineup? Well, Moore moves to the fourth line, and then it's Timoshov and Goche on that line. Who's your third line center? Kerfoot. But no, like in the interim with Tavares out. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> with Tavares out, I wonder if they just like they can't. I wonder. Well, they can either put Tavares on LTIR, and he has to remain out for the. 10 games or 24 days, so he would be out a little bit longer. It's both, isn't it? I think it's both. Regardless. so he, Or okay. you can wait to bring Hyman back. You can just keep waiting until Tavares is ready and then bring them both back at the same time. And, yeah. then, and then you're making one decision as opposed to... But, but yes, Tavares will... Tavares will be a problem. Like, they'll only be able to have 20 healthy players if he's not on LTIR and he's not healthy. That's the thing. Like, yes, if you have these exactly guys, it. if you have these guys that have like minor injuries, they still count. Like, you can open up a roster spot. You can put them on IR instead of LTIR, but you don't open up cap room with that. And if they don't open up cap room, they can't. <laughs> you don't want to be carrying a. T- that's the point. You, you don't want to be James, carrying. That's the point. You don't want to be carrying 20 man roster for very long. Right. He is your extra player. Um, yeah. If both of those guys come back, yeah, and he's not healthy, so basically you have no extra player. I mean, I they probably just slow Hyman's roll, right, and just just make him. Well, wait. it is a really serious injury, right? I, it sounds like I think Dermot's going to be ready before Hyman, and Dermot's yeah. an easy one to bring back, and you don't you don't run into all these problems when you just bring Dermot back because his salary's so low. Like you're not going to have to demote all these guys, right? Hmm. It's well, a it's a pickle, Jonas. That was fun. It's it's a pickle. Well, we got to write about this, right? We're gonna we're gonna work on. We gotta. We should dive into the numbers and figure this out. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, this has been fun. I guess we'll be back next week. What's the What's the schedule next week? They um. Is. They have one game. Is the schedule next week? Tuesday, Saturday. So we're gonna have lots of time. Sweet. All right, so we'll be back next week. All right, see you, everybody. Thanks for listening.